0: So I wrote The Bucket List when I was in Australia performing uh, at Perth Fringe and I had just received feedback on my novel and it was quite vicious feedback from a friend of mine who is always right about everything. And there was this one line I had written that I thought was incredibly beautiful and dreamy and he had put a note on it and it said, cut this line and every single line like it. And I, I was horrified. But also he was right. Um, and so when I was writing The Bucket List, I wanted to write something that just didn't have any space for kind of like dreamy, thoughtful um, slowness. I wanted it to just gallop along. I was also reading P.G. Woodhouse. Um, I can't remember which P.G. Woodhouse it was, but it's on my Instagram. If you go and look, there's a review. Anyway, so um, I I wrote it to combine these two feelings, one of which was just enjoying the lightheartedness of something like P.G. Woodhouse, and the other was to try and put into practice this feedback I had just received. If you've read the story or listened to it, uh, you'll have noticed that The Curse is such a plot point, and its I'm so uninterested in it. I didn't want to write it. I I found it boring to think about. I just needed it to have happened. So um, when I first started writing it, I tried writing It from sort of chronologically like, oh, you know, Draco's sad and then he's walking home and then he gets cursed. And then I was like, honestly, fuck this. I don't care about the curse. And so I just started writing the bits that I did care about, which is Draco telling Pansy about the curse. And I think that's something I learned from writing this story is that sometimes if you find something you're writing boring, just don't write it. Just sort of skip ahead and find a way to explain quickly what you've skipped past um because i'm not actually very interested in plot uh, i think anyone who reads any of my stories can see that uh there's often there's often cases of like evil kidnappers or you know treacherous villains and then they kind of disappear into the background of the story because i don't really care about the mystery of it i just care about the effect the plot has on the protagonists so when i started writing the story i knew it was going to have a happy ending because all of my stories have a happy ending. I recently tried to write a story um, which wouldn't have a happy ending. And then by the time I got to it, it just had a happy ending. I, I can't stand the idea of them not bending up together. That's sad. Why would you write that? So something my husband sometimes asks me is why I write happy fics when I love reading sad books. And I think that's that it comes down to the reason I read fiction versus the reason I read fan fiction. Um, and that I think fan fiction is, is a different part of my brain. It's very much more, um, it almost feels like the same part of your brain that is activated when you're enjoying social media or like getting a text from someone you fancy. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's candy. Uh, and, and I think some people read fan fiction in this much more literary way where they can handle like main character deaths Uh, I just don't I just don't I have I have sort of sad World War One books that I read when I want that Um, but in fan fiction I just want them to be happy together something I feel like I gained from writing this story is thinking a lot about how to deal with pain right so I I had this comment on the story and I'm sorry I can't remember who wrote the comment but someone commented and they said um, what I love about Draco in this story is that um, although he complains a lot he is never irritable, and when you're in chronic pain, what's difficult is not not complaining; it's resisting snapping at people. And I thought a lot about that, and I, I, I'm very grateful to that commenter because I, I think it um, sort of changed how I thought about stoicism. So stoicism is something I'm really interested in, um, and I, I, there's sort of two different definitions of stoicism. There's the kind of current definition which is uh you know someone who's stoic is someone who doesn't complain when they're in pain um and then there's stoicism the greek philosophy and what i know about stoicism uh in terms of greek philosophy is actually mainly through um the roman emperor marcus aurelius who wrote meditations which is an excellent book it's short it's just like a listicle i strongly recommend it but um in greek stoicism the idea is that there aren't Good or bad events. There are only good or bad reactions to events. So something that you know sounds as if it's objectively bad could happen to you, but the way in which you react to it could turn it into a good, positive uh, event. And I think that in a way, that's how Draco reacts, right? And, and obviously, I make reference to Greek stoicism because Draco references Socrates twice in the story. Um, but Draco takes this awful thing that has happened, and he turns it into an opportunity to go through his bucket list and do all the things he's never had time to do or never committed to doing. And although he complains all the time, and although he is, he's pretty good about asking for help, he maintains his sort of charm and good humor, right? And I think one of the problems with stoicism is that people who are stoic often don't ask for help, and they end up In really bad situations because they don't go to the doctor and they don't tell their friends when they're hurting and that is a negative form of stoicism in my opinion whereas I think what Draco does is kind of the best of both worlds because he is clear about the ways in which he is in pain and so it's easy to figure out how he needs help but at the same time he really works hard to continue being someone who's easy to be around even when he's in pain and I'm not at all like that I'm a raging bitch when I'm hungry um but I would like to be more like that and so that's something that I really thought about a lot after writing this. So obviously the story is dreary but I actually think in some ways the real heart of the story is Draco and Pansy um and I I really loved Draco's relationship with Pansy and with all the Slytherins I think because to me they showcase a way of supporting your friends without being uh well, Pansy would call it boring. I think there are times when you're going through something and sympathy is really unhelpful. Uh, sort of overt sympathy just makes you feel bad and makes you feel uh, entitled to whinge more. But obviously you still want to be supported. And so something I liked about the way that the Slytherins and Pansy in particular support Draco is that they they are clearly there for him in all these actions, right? But they also don't put up with his shit. And that's, I think, a kindness because it's so easy when you're in pain to let yourself be a worse version of yourself. And I think if you have friends who are, who are sort of too actively supportive, you can actually sort of backslide into this lazy version of yourself. And I, I personally love having friends who keep me accountable and who tell me when I'm being a brat because I, I need that. Otherwise, I'd be a brat all the time and I wouldn't have any friends. So the story moves really quickly Um, in part because of what I mentioned earlier about how one of the reasons I wrote it was to try and uh, write more cleanly. Um, there's There's an excellent James Baldwin quotation about writing. He says, Make every sentence as clean as a bone which I just think is gorgeous. Um, And by the way, James Baldwin, if you haven't read Giovanni's Room, James Baldwin wrote Giovanni's Room. It's about um, gay men in Paris in 1950. And it is very, very sad. Uh, And it's not a spoiler to say that it is a main character death. It is not a happy story. But um, it gave me very similar feelings to fan fiction um, in that it has that same kind of, feelsy angst I really think if you're someone who likes angsty fan fiction you would definitely like this book I often get messages from people on my Instagram being like oh I used to read a lot and now I only read fanfiction. what can I do so if you're someone like that um something like Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin is an absolute classic it's gorgeous and it hits a lot of those same buttons but when it comes to the pace of the bucket list, uh, I was thinking about things like that, about how can I, how can I make it as clean as possible? How can I make it as fast as possible? And I think the effect of that is to make it lighter, because I think if I had gone into more detail about the illness and the loss of life and and the fear of having your entire life cut short, I think it would have been really hard to preserve that kind of lightheartedness, especially at the end, because it is just a really, really sad story for a lot of it um and so having the pace go faster means that the theme can be touched more lightly so if you're someone who wants to write angst but without it being too heavy i do think a a fast pace is sometimes quite a good way of doing it as long as you're not shortchanging yourself on emotional development i would say most of my fix aren't uh intended to be funny really like they have funny parts in them but um the bucket list was certainly the first one of my fix where I was like okay this one is going to be funny and it kind of happened naturally um but it's one of my favorite things when tragedy and humor go hand in hand I think that a bit of humor makes tragedy more tragic um because as a writer you're trying to emotionally manipulate people but if the audience knows they're being emotionally manipulated it stops working and so if you want to make something really sad and you're sitting down to write it and you are just desperately trying to make it as sad as possible um the audience the readership is going to feel that and they're going to resent it they're going to notice the way in which you're trying to manipulate them and the fact is people when they're going through sad things most of the time don't try to make it as sad as possible right if you're going through something genuinely awful a lot of the time you're going to be trying to find the bright side um and so that's where humor can come in handy because humor is a really normal coping mechanism for most tragedies right um and so i think it makes it feel less manipulative even though it is in fact its own form of manipulation but um As my husband always says, uh, it's not interesting to watch an actor cry. It's interesting to watch an actor try not to cry. And also, by the way, this is uh, another one of my pet peeves in fan fiction is, you know, a lot of fan fiction is written by women and it is usually about men. And men just cry less than women. Um, They have larger tear ducts. They can hold more tears in their tear ducts before they cry. And also there's so much societal pressure on them not to cry. So the point is that, um, you know, I, I think it's important when you're writing about men to try and be true to how masculine culture operates, and I think that um, it's very normal for men to try and deflect their sadness using humour. So the the humour was an integral part of the bucket list, for sure. I think the humour in the bucket list is centred primarily on the literary technique of bathos. So bathos is an anticlimax, so it's basically a lapse in mood uh, from the sublime to the trivial or ridiculous. That's what um, the internet says. And... um, there's a lot of that, I think, right? Of of Draco and the Slytherins going from um, very very serious to very very light in a short period of time, and the humour comes from that that rift, right? Of them talking about something serious and then talking about something funny, or or vice versa, right? So, for instance, um, something that runs all the way through the story is is Draco telling people not to be boring whenever they're trying to talk to him about something serious, um, and him reducing like, the end of his life to a conversation that he finds vaguely tedious, I think, is is a big source of the humour. Also, I think some of the humour comes from Uh, just Draco doing ridiculous things, right? You know, threesomes of cocaine and tap dancing, Uh, things that seem out of character to us because we know him from canon. You know, I'm not sure that the story would work if I were to try and, you know, file off the serial numbers and make it into a just like a literary short story. I think the fact that the readers wouldn't know who Draco Malfoy is would make the story lose a lot of its charm. So I write two kinds of Dracos. I write um, Draco is tortured by remorse and is very very sad or I write Draco is tortured by remorse and is trying to forget about how tortured he is by being funny those are my only two Dracos uh, I'm really hoping no one will notice that I only do those two Dracos so I had someone in the comments, actually maybe more than one person, asked me if I could just write Draco's full bucket list. And I was like, absolutely not, because it was a nightmare to come up with the bucket list items. I spent a lot of time looking at actual bucket li- list items on like Reddit. So yeah, it was really difficult. Um, and I don't know if you've ever tried to be random. It's incredibly difficult to be random. When you try and be random, you always end up being random in the same way. And so uh, it really took a lot of sort of thinking to get bucket list items that I got and uh yeah so I I was never tempted to write the whole list. So obviously Draco is my favorite character in the story but I'm very fond of Pansy as I said and of Blaze and to be honest also of Millicent because Millicent is just she has like five lines and her main heroine in life is Rita Skeeter and I, I just that was just a throwaway line that I wrote but I for some reason I thought that that was quite funny, and I, I think it gives quite a lot of background as to what kind of a person Millicent is. Um, she's like Rita Skeeter 2.0. And, yeah, so they were fun, the Slytherins. Um, but I, I always have a fondness for Blaze, um, largely because of that hula hoop story uh, written on the heart, which is a really great fic um, in which Blaze basically steals the show. So if you, if you like Blaze, go and read that story. So Harry in this fic, I have to say, seems pretty secondary and he isn't even really in the first half of the fic very much. He's very suspicious. He's very unhappy with his own life. Um, and he kind of comes more into his own once he realizes that Lamarack and Draco are the same person. And I think there are some little changes he makes uh that I think make him sort of worthy of Draco um within the story. Generally speaking, I'm Team Harry, right? Um you often get comments on your on fics which are like why is harry being so mean to draco and i'm like because draco is a nazi and harry is (laughs) harry is like jesus so obviously jesus harry has reasons to be mad at nazi draco like it's pretty obvious in canon who the the good person is and i think we're so used to reading fanfiction where draco has reformed that we approach uh fix with this assumption that harry should understand that draco's been through a journey but if you just look at canon that that's really an unreasonable demand to ask of harry um so I'm, i'm generally i'm always team harry what was important to me about um this harry is that once he realizes that lamarack and draco are the same person i wanted him to react sanely and in my head the first time I wrote the scene where where Harry realises who Lamarack is I had Harry reacting really dramatically and like getting angry Uh, and it just didn't seem fair to either of them I I think that Harry at the point when he realises who Lamarack is likes Lamarack and trusts him Um, and so I thought it was important to make sure that the, the angst at that point in the story did not come from their interpersonal relationship Um, And I also think another important moment is uh, Harry trying to overcome his fear of the Dark Mark for Draco um, and getting the Botticelli painting from the Italian Mage King, um, even though the Italian Mage King is, as Draco puts it, corrupt as fuck. Um, I, I like the idea of a Harry who becomes more morally ambiguous from interacting with Draco, because I think that in in the books, one of Harry's problems is that he sees everything as black and white. And that's one of the things I like about this ship is the idea that Draco can help Harry realize that the world is more complex than he thought when he was young. The reason I started uh this podcast by reading the bucket list is that it's I think the most popular fic I've written. It certainly has the most hits. Uh and I think it appeals to people the most. And I think the reason for that um this twofold one is that i think it's funnier than my other fix um and two i think people really do like to be reminded of the shortness of life um that makes it sound as if i think this story is deeply important and i don't it is fan fiction but it's good to be reminded that life will end and that we should do the things we want to do now um and i think hopefully from some of the comments I've received that is something that people get out of it and I've been particularly touched by a couple of comments from people who've had chronic illnesses and who have uh liked elements of the story and felt that it was true to their experience um I think maybe it's partly that it's an irreverent look at pain and um you know, as as artists, we tend to think that pain is the most interesting aspect of the human experience. And it, it's really not. It's quite boring. Um, and I think that treating pain lightly is quite a hopeful way of looking at the world. Maybe that maybe that's why this is all very um, presumptuous of me to assume that the, <laughs> the story appealed to anyone really. But there you go. That's my theory. So I mentioned earlier that if uh, you like blaze in fan fiction the best blaze fic is uh in my opinion hula hoops written on the heart but i, th- I think there's one other fic that if, if you like the bucket list and you haven't read this one uh you're in for a treat it is um candor kick ass and it's you've got the antidote for me and it is this utterly heartbreaking uh soul bond fic in which draco is um Harry's soulmate but Harry not knowing this um rejects him and that causes Draco to um slowly die over the course of two years but it is a happy ending um and it's just so heartbreaking and Draco becomes friends with Ron Weasley and um it I mean it's not funny at all but it is just gorgeously done angst so that's a really really great one and then uh another one that I think has a similar vibe in terms of kind of Draco's gone mad is I D K my BFF Hermione by lettered. So lettered is, for me, like, God-level. I think everything she writes is just divine. And um, IDK My BFF Hermione is this mad fic where Draco has just gone completely off the rails and he is doing utterly mental things. And Harry is kind of watching bemused from the sidelines, being like, well, why is he wearing eyeliner? Um, And it's sort of sad and uncomfortable. There's quite a lot of sex. um, But it has this sort of heartwarming... Um, slow, gentle end uh, that I think is very appealing. Um, so yeah, if you if you like if you like sad, sick Draco, then um, then you've got the antidote for me. And if you liked absolutely mad Draco, then I D K my BFF Hermione. So those are those are my thick wrecks for this particular story. Uh, and I also want to reiterate that everyone should read Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin because it's really, really good. So for every two or three fics you read there you go I'll give you a I'll give you a classic book that you should also read so the next book I'm going to be reading on the podcast is something I'm really excited about it's the story that I have co-written with two fandom greats in my opinion Ediomai I think that's how you pronounce it it's most famous I think for writing something called dwelling which is this just very very good in places quite funny just incredibly angsty gorgeous fic um And everything they write is like that. And Tepra, who wrote Grounds for Divorce, which is just like so beautiful, it feels like it should have won a Pulitzer Prize. And so I got to write this fic with both of them. And so it's kind of a little weird mix of the three of our different styles. So I'll be talking more after I've recorded the whole uh, fic about how that writing process went. But uh, we actually haven't named it yet. We're kind of arguing about the name. Um, But I am planning on recording the first part of the first chapter and putting it up next week so get excited about that because I am the plot you ask uh it's um basically based on a dream that ADMI had where they were like uh yeah I had this dream that Draco got off a train and Harry just gave him this awkward hug and it was clear that there was this kind of weird background between them this tension but neither of them talked about it and they were both so polite to each other So the basic premise is that Harry lives in this adorable cottage in Gloucestershire, but he has become just a... Terrible hoarder. And so he's filled up the cottage with awful things. And Draco is close personal friends with Ron and Hermione. And when he experiences a bereavement, they send him to go, like, recover at Harry's cottage in Gloucestershire. However, Draco and Harry slept together one time in eighth year and never spoke about it ever again. So now they're trapped in this horrible hoarder's cottage. And there's a lot of things they need to talk about that they're not going to. Basically, it's just a lot of. Harry and Draco in a cottage glowering at each other um, but also being secretly in love it contains so I, I I don't know if you've you may have noticed if you have read my other fix, but I don't write sex scenes really uh, except just maybe sort of by accident um, but Tepre and idiom I do so there are some quite explicit sex scenes in this story that I am utterly scandalized by because of course I don't know what sex is and so I will probably have to get someone else to read the sex scenes because I will just be too um uncomfortable I sort of decided to do this podcast as an experiment and it's been really lovely seeing that people are actually listening um if you enjoyed it, please do, you know, spread the word, share it to people who you think would also enjoy it. Um, I also, I, I always plug away my Instagram. Um, my Instagram is at let them eat books with underscores instead of spaces. Uh, I like people following me on there because I I review, I review books and I review movies and they have a big impact on how I write my fix. But also it's like quite a nice way of, of communicating with people. So if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to, uh, message me or ask me a question or, or anything um then often that instagram at Let the Books, is the best way to contact me um also you can put a comment on the Podfic post on ao3 um and don't forget of course you can see my other stories on ao3 so hopefully you've enjoyed or tolerated me blabbering on about uh the background of the bucket list and tune in next week for the first episode of this unnamed cottage fic thank you very much for listening